Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. As you begin here, you're going to see, Jesus is going to say, no, no, no. There's going to be incredible influence. You're going to be able to overcome Satan and all of his forces, even though you're always going to be in the minority. As Christians, the church will always be in the minority. That's all right. But the minority is getting bigger every day. So you say, well, I don't like that. I want to be in the majority. No, you don't want to be in the minority. Why is the road to destruction? In the parable of the sower, which Jesus told, only a small fraction of the seed actually bore fruit. Much of the seed fell by the wayside and was taken by birds, or fell among thorns and was choked out. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that as Christians, we're always going to be in the minority. This parable tells us that a large percentage of people will not fully bear fruit for him. But don't be discouraged. We still have great influence even as the minority. Remember that wide is the gate that leads to destruction. We do not want to be in the majority. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message entitled, Good and Evil Will Coexist Until the End. So, what will the environment be? Let me give you four keys this morning. You know, as you see all this, in those days, were weeds and seeds, well, were they visual to the disciples? And did the crowd understand what a weed and seed was? Sure. In fact, in those days, the wheat that came up, there was a fake wheat. It was a weed called Darnell. And it grew just like the wheat, and you couldn't tell the difference until the time of blossoming. You couldn't tell the difference. So what Jesus was saying is, in our world, here's the first thing you want to write. Jesus and Satan have competing plans for the souls of people. You see, as God plants the gospel in people's hearts, the enemy comes and wants to steal it away. Jesus is sowing you, once you become a believer, into the world to produce a harvest, to make a difference. That's good growth. Satan is putting his people and placing them in the world to hinder my spiritual growth, your spiritual growth, and to hinder people from coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. By and large, our movie industry is a weed. By and large, our news media is a weed. Our newspapers. And so, understand what we just stated. There is this battle, number two. Good and evil will coexist until the end of the world. Pastor Mark, when is it going to get better? 
Well, you hear people in the church say, well, one day the church is going to rule, the world is going to get better, we're going to do away with all sin, we're going to be victorious, we're going to overcome everything while the unbelievers are here. Wrong. It's not going to get better and better. In fact, the Bible says it's going to what? It's going to wax worse and worse. I mean, those of us that are parents and grandparents living now, you almost want to go like, why would anyone even bring kids into this world? But we have to go back to the garden because Jesus said what? Be fruitful and multiply because we want to be light in a dark world so we don't get negative we're very positive but understand this will always be there there's counterfeit everywhere there's real and imitation there's genuine and counterfeit the bible speaks of false believers we have those the bible speaks in galatians of a false gospel paul says how in the world did you leave the gospel of great you're going to become a christian by being good enough are you kidding we have a false Christ in 2 Thessalonians and the book of Revelation. Who is a false Christ? It's the Antichrist. And we have a false church here in the book of Revelation. So Jesus says something. Now notice, I ask you to circle something. He said, the field is the world, not the church. Why did I say that? Here's why. You remember the disciples basically are being taught, well, maybe we should get rid of all the evil in the world. Now, how are you going to get rid of all the evil in the world? Let me ask you to just write something a little something in your notes, just a little thing in your notes. Just write this. We cannot legislate righteousness. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, don't try to uproot evil in the world. Just be a moral influence. We can't force the world to become Christians and abide by the moral values of the Bible. You can't force that. Do you remember back in 300 AD, Constantine, the Roman ruler, here's what he said to the world. How many were there at 300 AD? What happened in 300 AD? Here's what Constantine said. You must be a believer of Jesus Christ. The whole world must believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, that worked. A lot of people were forced to say it. Does it mean they were? No. Well, hello, Did, didn't we learn enough there? No, we didn't. When we had all the religious wars, the crusades, what were they about? Trying to force the world to become believers. No, Jesus says you can't uproot them. So yes, I believe in legislators that are Christians. Yes, I believe we can change a lot of things with the laws. But guys, understand, we're to be salt and light. Do you believe if we get rid of the abortion things and it turns back to whatever? Do you believe abortions will stop in the United States? Well, do you believe that sexual immorality will stop in the United States then? Well, no. I'm against abortion, 100% against it. It's a sin. It's evil. It's terrible. But guys, the hearts of people have to be changed. And so we're to shine, we're to be a moral influence. So Jesus says, don't go out and just try to pick at everybody and pick up all the evil in the world. You can't do it. Shine, be an influence. If you take this parable wrongly, what you believe the world is, is the church. And that's totally a misunderstanding of this parable. The church is to be holy. The church is to be a place where there is spiritual discipline. The church is to be different. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount was about. You remember? Jesus says, don't be like the world. Don't be like them. Be like me. As a whole, the Episcopal Church put in what? A gay bishop. Half the Episcopal Church or more just went on with it. A bunch of the other Episcopals go, well, wait a minute time that's too far they uprooted themselves and started another denomination rightly so 
You see, there is a judgment day coming. So, that's our third one. Men and women will face a final judgment by Jesus at the end of the world. If I don't change, if I don't at all say, God, forgive me, I want to become a believer, then our fourth one stands. There is a real place called hell where all unbelievers will live forever. Understand, hell is not a place of friendships, fellowship, comfort, joy, pleasure. We already talked about that. It's a place of wailing, darkness, separation from the only one that ever loved you purely, God, and certainly not a place of pleasure or fun. Now, how do you think the disciples responded when they heard this? Wow. You mean, Jesus, after you leave, it's going to be like this? Yeah. Good and evil are going to be there. You're going to have difficult times as a Christian. You're going to have a hard time in the world because Satan is against you. But I believe what Jesus was trying to say then, and he's going to give us in these next two parables as we sneak back to verse 31, he's going to give us two parables. Well, I think they're very important because think of the disciples now, the two parables they've heard. In that parable, at best, when when we share the gospel, at least in that parable, 50% of the time, at best, people will reject the gospel, 50% will believe it. More realistically, 75% will reject it, and 25% will believe it. And then we hear the next thing. Well, as those 25% become Christians, then the enemy plants somebody right beside them to stunt their growth, to cause them trials, to cause them difficulty, to keep them from growing. Now, how would you feel? You're 12 people. You're going, say what? Is there any hope for this thing called the kingdom of heaven? I mean, it looks like everything's stacked against us. And I think they probably could have gotten discouraged. So what does Jesus do? Well, as you begin here, you're going to see, Jesus is going to say, no, no, no. There's going to be incredible influence. You're going to be able to overcome Satan and all of his forces, even though you're always going to be in the minority. As Christians, the church will always be in the minority. That's all right. But the minority is getting bigger every day. So you say, well, I don't like that. I want to be in the majority. No, you don't want to be in the minority. Why is the road to destruction? You don't want to be there. So yes, there is difficult times. But then he gives us some encouragement. Let's begin with verse 31. Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Now, why would Jesus teach about this influence and growth well because he just said with the tares you're gonna have to be on guard the enemy's there be smart understand there's some good things that are going to happen now when Jesus taught about a parable remember I told you it was always a visual illustration do you think that the disciples ever saw a mustard plant absolutely Jesus wouldn't say, here's an okra plant. 
They never saw okra. Whatever. He said, here's a mustard seed. And in their minds, they'd been in a garden and seen what? They'd seen the mustard seed grow. Here's that word again. Grow. 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 So the kingdom of God is going to be growing. Now in these two parables, I'm going to try today to give you two different pictures. Great Bible scholars differ on these two parables. These two little parables, these three verses, they differ. I think you can see truth in both of them. I'll show you kind of where I'm at. I mean, you can argue one way or the other, it doesn't matter. Great Bible scholars that are born again, they look at these two differently. I'll try to share with you what I look at. Doesn't mean I'm right, but I think you can see both. Now, in Israel, there was, we know, a mustard seed. And by the mustard seed would be how small? Well, actually, we, we know today that maybe if you bought a little one-ounce package, 20,000 seeds. That's pretty small. Jesus would say, if you have faith as a grain of mustard, you know, small. So what is he saying with this little mustard seed? What is he saying is going to happen to it? It's going to grow into a, what's he saying? Look at the parable. What's it going to grow into? A tree. Here's where the problem comes, and I'll talk about it a little later. What do we mean by a tree? Well, we know in Israel... It was absolutely true that this mustard plant would, well, it would grow from a little teeny seed to this incredible bush. Some would call it a tree because it often reached the heights of 8, 10, and 12 feet. Large enough and strong enough that some birds could land in it. Listen to what Barclay says historically about that time of Jesus. It was a common sight to see such mustard bushes or trees surrounded with a cloud of birds, for the birds loved the little black seeds of the tree and settled on the tree to eat them. So Jesus in this parable compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, what I believe he meant was that this little mustard seed would have a very small beginning, but eventually it would mature. What about this kingdom of God now? What kind of start did the kingdom of God have at this point? Well, Jesus is, in a, is talking to basically his 12 disciples. How did the kingdom of God start? How big did the kingdom of God start? Mary and Joseph, the Holy Spirit. We had Jesus started from a very small seed, right? As he moved along, he added another guy. Remember? John the Baptist ate locusts, had the, you know, the locusts and the honey dropping off his beard here. So we have two. That's how the kingdom of God started. Two. Two people. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus chose these 12 brilliant biblical scholars from Jerusalem. (laughs) But they're like funky guys. They're like you and me. And that's what he used. And all of a sudden, this little seed began to sprout. And as it began to mature, we hit the day of Pentecost. Jesus goes back to heaven. On the day of Pentecost, there's 12 in the upper room. How many now? 120. They're filled with the Spirit. They come down. God fills them with the Holy Spirit. They begin to impact the city of Jerusalem at that holiday season. The next thing we know, Pete gives up. Gives his first sermon. Small beginnings. He gives his first sermon. 
What is the result? What is the growth? 3,000. And within 20 years, what do we hear from the Bible? That these 12, 120, these believers in 20 years, they turned their world upside down. I like to say it like this. They turned their world right side up. And where are we today? Do you know that today there's over a billion Christians in the United States? How did it start? Very small. One of the things I want you to write today is this. The central lesson of this parable, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise them. You see, I believe this parable is about the destined greatness of the kingdom. Now follow me with this. How did the mustard seed grow? It didn't grow into a tree overnight. It took time. There was an ongoing process. Second thing you want to write today is this. Spiritual growth is a gradual process that requires trust and patience. Our world today is fascinated with the word instant. You go home and look at your newspaper, This Week magazine, you'll find all these ads. Lost 40 pounds in four days. And then you see in small print, and you'd have to have glasses that thick to read the print. But what it says is, it should say this, this is a total lie. But what it says is, the results are not typical. You've read it, haven't you? After you bought it, you got the Bible again, oops, the results are not typical. So what are we talking about here? Well, when you see growth... It takes time. My wife just got back from visiting our daughter and son-in-law and our little granddaughter. She's a little over a year. Can you imagine if I was on the phone this week? She was still out there. Hi, Ann, what you doing? Uh, excuse me, I got to put the phone down. And I hear my wife in the background. Grow, 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 mature, get big, grow, do something like an adult. And I, honey, is that you? Did the altitude get to you or what's the problem? You wouldn't stand over a baby and go, grow, grow. But we have all these new Christians and they become Christians, and they're your friends. And a week later you say to them, got rid of all your sin yet? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Hello, the last time I looked, I think God was still working on me. Is he working on you? We're still in the process of growing. I want you to think how much you've grown as you look back. Isn't it amazing? And we're still growing. So what I think Jesus was saying was this, there's incredible growth gonna take place. Why the confusion? So what do I believe this is? I believe this is a picture of the church getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Will it accomplish everything? Will it take over the world? No. What's the confusion in the parable? Whenever, notice this tree gets big, and what lands in the tree? Tell me from the parable. Just look, birds, okay? When you see birds, usually in the Bible, what do you think of? You think of evil. Remember the parable of the sower? The bird came and took the seed away. So many people, good, tremendous people, believe that the tree is really abnormal growth, that a mustard plant doesn't grow into a tree. And so it's abnormal growth. And what the bird is, is that the enemy has come in into the church and diluted the church. Well, I think that is true in some ways. When you look at the church as a whole in the United States, as people look at it, What do they combine in the church? Well, they combine Mormons and Jehovah Witness and the Unitarian and all the people that don't believe in the word of God. Well, are they really in the body of Christ? No, they're not in the body of Christ. And yet the world looks at them as like a, as a church, they're not. But how do I look at this? 
I've changed. I believe that what you see, that there was a tree that was eight or ten feet tall. And when you see birds, they're not always evil. In the Old Testament, Daniel and a couple other places, the birds were good. Uh, the tree was good because the birds represented nations that would come and be blessed by the tree. Remember what Barclay says? The birds would come and eat the what? The little seeds and to be blessed. Tell me what happened since the church has begun to do its thing in the world. What kind of influence have we had? Let me, let me give you an example. If you go back to the early days, missionaries, when they went over to foreign countries, who started all the hospitals in the foreign countries? The church did. And so we said to the people, come and be blessed. Come and be blessed. Let me ask you a question, ladies. Listen to me. Would you rather be a, a woman in a Christian denomination or would you rather be a woman in a Muslim country? Is there any doubt? So what happened to the rights of women in the church? They were elevated. You're honored. You're part of us. You're a husband and wife. And you see this over and over and over again. If you go to New Orleans today, by and large, in the small settings, who's still working behind the scenes getting the people established? Who's working? It's the church. So understand, this is what I believe happens. Jesus was going to say, yeah, it's going to be tough in the world. It's going to be very difficult. But, but my kingdom is going to grow. And as it grows, it's going to mature. And everybody in there won't be saved. We know that. But it's going to have great influence. It's going to grow. There's over a million people, a billion people today that are Christian. You go to China today. You know you go to China today and you, you still can't freely teach. Because the government still holds it. They'll tell you you can. You can't. I've been there. But you know, the Christian church in China, it's just booming. It's underground. It's just growing and growing and growing and growing. Why? Because of this principle. The word of God is growth. And so what I believe happens, and you want to write this statement down to balance it, I can see both sides of this parable. I can see both sides. No matter how much growth in God's kingdom, we know that the whole world will not be converted. We know that. So what do I see with a mustard seed? Simply this. Jesus says to his disciples, don't be discouraged. Serve, witness, share, be a light. Every one of you are going to be small. Every one of you are going to go. But all of a sudden, what's going to happen is your influence is going to change. And because of that, the kingdom of God is going to grow and grow and grow. And that's what we see happening today. Now, the next parable doesn't have to do with the size and influence of the church. It has to do with inside the inner transformation. This is also a parable that has two different understandings by wonderful teachers. Look at verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Sometimes it's easy to get discouraged in our efforts at evangelizing the lost. We know that a very real judgment awaits those who don't accept Christ. Today, Pastor Mark encouraged us to not falter in our efforts or be discouraged when it seems like there are so many that have not accepted Christ. No matter how much growth there is in God's kingdom, not all will be converted. Pray and share Jesus, but leave the results to Him. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. There is great importance in understanding, especially understanding the truths of God's Word. Jesus asked the disciples, do you understand these things? Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will challenge us with some very important things we need to understand. We need to understand that we were created to know God, and we need to understand that entrance into God's kingdom is a gift. It can't be bought. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a herd